It's time for the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dennis Stuckey and Brady Beaton. I think it's going to be a lively show today. We've got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of baseball and softball over the last two days. Um, and, and enjoy it because we might not get any today. Yeah, it's it's going to be a little chilly and a little rainy, but Dennis has already managed to give me a headache before we started. <laughs> and we cannot say why. Oh, we could, but you're just chicken. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, I I like to, I like to be nice. So all right. Well, um, you know, you know me. Uh, I like to poke the you, stick into the stir- beehive. Well, and this one's an easy one. Anyway, <laughs> we had a lot going on the last two days. Yes, we had entire series being played in the last two days. Well, you know, with uh, bad weather early in the week, we had to make up a lot of games and play a lot of double headers. Um, and there, there were some interesting things. Wild softball game between Croslex and Armada the other day. Yale. Uh, or Yale. Um, and uh, I'm thinking Armada because I saw Armada. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, there was well, not quite state records, but two people are going in the state record book. Uh, we might have had another one, but we'll talk about that because it's one of those subjective stats that you look at one game changer, it says this number, and you look at the other, and it says this number. Well, and then uh, Richmond with a nice statement at Algonac in game two of that series. Back was kind of against the wall for the um, Blue Devils. And 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 they re, they responded, and so uh, we'll get into all of it. We're going to start with the ladies, though. We had two days of softball to, to talk about, and we'll do that when we get things rolling here on the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports podcast. Every piece of land has a story written by those who work it, like the Nelsons, who cruise around their ranch on a John Deere Gator XUV835R. With 3,000 acres, there's plenty of work to do. It's all about efficiency. That's how they've kept their ranch going for five generations. We wouldn't be in ranching without the Gator. Run with us on a Gator XUV835R and start telling your story. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's locations in Auburn Hills, Badax, Birch Run, Burton, Carroll, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. Brady Bean here again to tell you about TP Logos. TP Logos has everything you could want when it comes to local high school apparel. Head to their store at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville and check out their brand new extended showroom. Their already impressive selection has now doubled. I guarantee if you go into TP Logos, you will find something you love for your local team. If they don't have what you like, they'll custom make something just for you. That's TP Logos at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville. Mattress King has been locally owned and operated for over 40 years. With locations in Port Huron, Richmond, Lapeer, Chesterfield, and Hall Road, they are the best one-stop shop for your sleeping and mattress needs. Mattress King carries all the top brands such as Serta, Stearns & Foster, Sealy, iComfort, and Tempur-Pedic. Not only do they have the best prices and best service in the area backed by hundreds of five-star reviews, they also offer interest-free financing and no-credit check programs for those with less than stellar credit. Once you get your mattress, they offer free local delivery on all purchases $6.99 and up. When you think sleep, think Mattress King. Gara Clean by Bachelor has been faithfully serving the Blue Water area for over 25 years. Whether you are commercial or residential, if you need carpet cleaning, stain removal, upholstered furniture, drapery, or air duct cleaning, call Gara Clean by Bachelor at 810-982-7044 and talk to Mike about their aerated foam process that allows carpet and furniture to dry quickly. From pet stains to odor removal to water damage cleaning and restoration, there's only one call you need to make. Gara Clean by Bachelor, 810-982-7044. 44 Duraclean by Bachelor. Hello. 
This is Tim Sheridan, owner of Sheridan Real Estate and Insurance in Lexington, a family tradition that started back in 1925 with Grandpa Sheridan. Promoting trust, care, and excellence, Sheridan is dedicated to understanding and taking care of all your needs. Respected throughout the community and dedicated, Sheridan is a proud supporter of local activities like high school athletics. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome back. Dennis and uh, Brady and uh, a lot of softball uh, played over the uh, last uh, two days. Um, We'll start with uh, Wednesday's games. Marysville played two with Chippewa Valley and uh, a nice win for Marysville. I believe this was a walk-off, wasn't it? Yeah, they had to walk it off. They had to hit a two-run home run. Megan Winston hit a home run, I believe, in the bottom of the seventh to to tie it, or at least in the seventh. I don't know if it was the top or the bottom of the inning. But they had to hit one late in the game to tie it up, and they've got the go-ahead run. And they knocked off Chippewa Valley for a nice win over a Mac Red team. And then game two happened, and it wasn't quite as sunshiny and rainbowy. I'll I'll take the split and a dramatic win. They won game one nine to eight, and in game two uh, they ran into a buzz saw and lost ten to nothing. But this is still a really good Marysville team, um, and you're you're competitive. And and again, you never know what you're going to get in the second game of any doubleheader. So it looks like Marysville did walk it off in game one, and then they were the road team in game two. Yeah. Uh, St. Clair, I thought, with a decent showing, too, against Dakota. Again, uh, another uh, you know area team playing a Mac Red team. 5-2 to two was the final. I like the 5. The 2 is a little bit concerning just because I wanted to see what the big bats would do against a, a legit pitching staff in Dakota. Struggled a bit, but again, Dakota is one of the tops in D1. I, it was more if they hit her, or hit them, and they hit and put up seven, eight runs, then you're going, all right, the sky's the limit, but they were one hit in this loss. That's the slightly concerning part that, all right, there is still a little more work to do for St. Clair, at least against the elite of the elite. The the one hit was an RBI double by Rochelle Schweighoffer. Uh, all right, moving on to the uh, BWAC. Two more wins for North Branch uh, as uh, they swept Imlay City. 10 nothing in game one behind Alana Dushetsky. Six innings, no runs, one hit, one walk, seven strikeouts. Added a hit at the uh, plate. Uh, but uh, the rest of the hitters, Ella uh, Schwass had two hits and an RBI. Jasmine Mock, three hits, a double, three RBI. She had a big week, by the way. Uh, Hannah Carmack had a couple of hits. Emily Brinker had two hits, knocked in three runs. Then the Broncos take game two, 13-5. to five. Three hits and an RBI for Dushetsky in that one. Mock had two more hits, a double, another RBI. Hannah Carmack had three hits, a double, three RBIs. Natasha Bickle with four hits, doubled, knocked in two runs. Emily Brinker had a couple of hits, including a double, knocked in two. And uh, Tracy Ludisher had two hits and two RBIs for North Branch. So they were raking. Imlay City gets a couple of hits from Chloe Bruman. Natalie Stone had two hits, a double, knocked in two. Uh, Yasinia Rojas with three hits and an RBI. That's just a that's a that's a name for a ball player. Yes, it is. Yasinia Rojas, three hits and an RBI. And uh, Michaela Bruman had two hits 
and an RBI. Um, but uh, North Branch handling uh, Imlay City, and again, there's Imlay City's not a bad team, Brady. No. It's just that the top four in the BWAC are just on a different level. Well, we'll talk about that a little more in a bit because one of those teams had a little bit of a tough time with their series. But Natalie Stone for Emily City, she gave up 11 hits. Only one was an extra base hit. They weren't smacking her around the ballpark. She only walked two. Emily City had four errors. Three of the 10 runs were earned for Stone. She's not a bad pitcher. I, would you be shocked if she stole a game in one of these series when they play, let's say they play Almon or they, they play Algonac, if she's able to swipe a game from them because she's able to duel with whoever's on the mound across from her? Well, I, I, what I like about her is the attitude. And, like, there's a mental toughness, I think, with uh, Stone. Because I saw it against Richmond where it was a, a similar – thing where you look at her her line and you go well that doesn't look real good on paper but she actually you know battled and she throws strikes and as long as they make plays behind her she'll do all right um the the problem is is that if in in that league if you can't strike people out right you're in trouble if you pitch to contact against Algonac, north branch richmond and elmont they're going to hit it. And the other thing is they made four errors. You have to have stout defense across from you because those teams, you give them an inch, they will take a mile. Suddenly, one little bobbled ground ball becomes a, another single and then a home run, and uh-oh, you're now down three when you should have been out of the inning. Yeah. So, Elmont swept the doubleheader with Armada, but both games were tough. I think yeah. game one was a walk-off, and game two went to extra innings. Yeah. Ar Armada had a pretty solid end of the week. I think they're starting to find a little bit of a groove. And Elmont, they're 5-0, and but in the league play, they've had one big win. They beat Yale, remember, 5 to nothing and 11-1. to But, yeah, game one, 8-7, to it took a walk-off hit for Elmont. Um, Lydia Lacavera singled into right to end the game. Then Armada was giving them a fight. They had to score two in the top of the seventh. Armada was actually up five to three until the bottom of the sixth when Almont pushed across four runs. Capozo was on the mound for Armada, and she for for a while was doing a good job stifling the Almont order. Well, she did it too uh, to, at the start of the game against Algonac. She, just, she pitches to contact again, but she was getting a lot of ground balls. Mm -hmm. And it and it wasn't until the fourth inning that the Algonac bats really woke up in that game, and they had a six-run fourth inning to pull away and win uh, ten. Now that was the day that Two Bomarito was striking out eighteen. Right. Um, but so, uh, like, I like Taylor Capozo on her bat. I really like. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, yesterday against Northern, she swung really well. But, you know, our, again, we're talking about the lower half of the BWAC. These are not bad teams. They're just stuck in a league with some really good teams. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the scores don't bother me that much if the games are close or if the games are blah. You don't have to steamroll. You just have to win. And Elmont is winning, and I'm sure they're going, that's a little closer than, than we'd like it. Right. But just win, baby, is, is my motto. 
and so far they're they're figuring it out. And the good teams can have an off day and figure out how to win, and that's what they're doing. And they're they're certainly hitting the ball. Two hits, a home run, two RBIs for Ellie Chapman. Brooklyn Bunch had four hits, including a double. Uh, Lacavera with the three hits and the game-winning RBI in game one. Lauren Webster had three hits, a double, knocked in uh, a run. Uh, and for Armada, they're swinging it much better than they did in, in the first week. Uh, Jenna Mayday with two hits. Andrea Cox had two hits. Two hits for Natalie Sauer and uh, Kendall uh, Schlotka with a double and three RBIs. Then in game two, um, a 10-7 win for Elmont in eight innings. Uh, Grace Koenig, two hits, knocked in a run. Devin Johnston had four hits, including a double, drove in three. Chapman with three hits, another home run. Two RBIs, Brooklyn Bunch hit a home run in that game. And for Armada, uh, Brooklyn Pratt had two hits, knocked in a run. Uh, Taylor Capozo, three hits, a double in RBI. And Leah Nock, who's a, a real good player, two hits, a double in RBI. Nock is a right-handed hitter, does the Ty Cobb thing. What, the not they don't put the, the, the hands The together. hands are spread apart on, on the back. And she chokes up. So there's a little bit of the knob showing underneath the bottom hand, and then there's space between the bottom hand and the top hand, and all she does is hit. If it works, baseball and softball are one of those sports where if it works, you don't mess with it. Nope. It doesn't matter. It's not like basketball where you got to get the right shooting form. or right. No, it's, hey, if you're hitting like that, if you're throwing strikes like that, keep, keep doing that. All right. Cross uh, legs. Real quick. Okay. Have you looked at Almont's schedule, how it works out in the BWAC? I know all their big series are at home this year. Well, not just that. They're all at the end of the year. So they have Croslex next week. The following week, they're at MLA City. Then they have Algonac at North Branch and home to Richmond the last three weeks. So they don't play any of the other uh, the, the top half teams until the last three weeks. It's straight through all that. that I don't know if I like that or that's going to be real tough. Well, they'll run the gauntlet and... If they win it, you know they earned it. Right. But, man, that's a that's a lot of games. That's a backloaded league schedule yeah. for once. And, whew, yeah, with two of the three at home, but still, that's that's got to be tough. I mean, it's a little different in softball because you only play one day of league games a, a week. So it's not like in, like, Mac baseball where it's a three-game series in five days. Yeah. They may like that, but I, I think it the one thing that it does do is you better make sure you take care of business with those other league exactly. games because you need when that stretch starts, you need to be undefeated in Absolutely. terms of league play. But yeah, this cross Lex Yell game was chaotic to well, say. They, the they least. couldn't get their doubleheader in because game one just took too long. I wish I had an official time. <laughs> I don't if Game Changer says how long the time the game went, I couldn't find it. But yeah, twenty five twenty four. What? And there was a scoreless inning in this game. <laughs> That's your the favorite. fourth inning was zero zero. That's your favorite fact from this game is that well at one point I I think Yale was up like eleven to nothing at one point and then they fell behind. Yeah, uh, let me pull this up in this game. Um, it was uh, yeah, it was eleven to one, and then Croslek scored eleven in the bottom of the third. Then you had a scoreless fourth. The fifth, each side scored five. Uh, Yale scored four in the sixth. Croslex scored six. Yale put up four 
in the top half of the seventh to go up by a run, and you're thinking, well, that lead's not going to last, and it didn't. Croslex walked it off in the bottom of the seventh. So, with some sub- subjective records, because it depends. You look at one game changer, it has one. You look at another game changer, it has another. And it does make a difference at this point, because there were a few state records set. I originally thought that this was the record for runs in a game. I was wrong. I was reading a single team's run in a game, not combined. Um, on the Yale game changer, they have Croslex down for 33 hits. Croslex had themselves down for 30. I'm like, all right, that's not that big of a difference when you have that many hits. Well, it is when the state record is 32 hits in a game. <laughs> So Croslex says they didn't set the record, but Yale, Yale is saying they did. did. Uh, so I don't know, is it like basketball where the home book reigns supreme? Um, either way, it should put the them on the list because you have to get 30 hits in a game. If you submit it, you get on. And according to the MHSAA site, it hasn't happened since 1980 that a team's had 30-plus hits. Wow. Which I don't know if I buy that. I think someone has had 30 hits in the 40-some years since. Well, I mean, there and there's a lot, too, because the, the state doesn't go looking for the records. No, you have to submit. You have to submit it, and then they verify w- what you're saying is legit, and then they'll put it in the record book. But they don't go looking for it because we had that situation where there was a softball game last year where somebody claimed to score like 120 like 56 runs or run. something. Yeah, it was like 57 <laughs> to nothing. It was... Um, Ishpeming Westwood against Big Bay Danak. Yeah. And it was supposed to be like 56 to nothing. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, if you're Cross-Lex, s- send an email to the state because you not only might have the hits record, no one has other some individual records, but they'll get on the leaderboards. Yeah. So with the um, individual stats from this game, because there are a bunch. A ton. We'll start with Cross-Lex. Riley Robertson. Five hits, two doubles, a home run, eight RBIs, which would put her on the leaderboard for single-game RBIs. Not even the leader for the game, though. Ella Rankin, four hits, two RBIs. Izzy Piscina, five hits, a double, three RBIs. Brooklyn Schultz, two hits, a double, three RBIs. Shaylee Kading, three hits, a double, two RBIs. Grace Stilson, three hits, two doubles, three RBIs. And Lovey Yerke had four hits, a double, and three RBIs. And then there was Yale. <laughs> then there was Yale. Uh Reese, you want to go with Clee or Cly? You you that's why I let it, left it up to you. Yeah, I knew, I knew you were going to check it out cuz these uh Yale names are incredible. Uh anyways, Reese had two hits, a home run, two RBIs. Madison Hiller, four hits, two doubles, two home runs, 10 runs batted in. So that would be good for Third, tied for third on the single game record. The record is 14, uh, set by someone from Seaholm in 1987. Someone had 11 back in 2017, but four people have had 10 RBIs. One of them, Emma Trombley from Port Huron, on the list, and Hiller should join her if you submit it. That she'll be one of five now five players that have had 10 RBIs in a game. Uh, Abby Theory, three hits, a double, an RBI. Mackenzie Agnagana? Aguanaga. Aguanaga. Yeah. Two hits, two RBIs. 
Jillian Commandant, two hits. She homered, drove in three. And uh, Abby Reed with a hit and two RBIs. Abby, you just don't fit in with the rest of your teammates. <laughs> just one hit. Uh, well, I mean, just to read. That's yeah, too oh, easy. Yeah. yeah. You well, need, you have you Hiller need, in there. You need to be like Reed Ski or something like that. <laughs> uh, but that's a wild game. Like, what's the post-game speech, whether you won or lost 25 to 24? Is it just... All right, uh, forget about that one. Happy, happy you won. If you're the, if you're cross Lex, if you're Yale, you go. Oh, yep, that just happened. Um, yeah, good swings, ladies. Yeah, <laughs> keep swinging like that. Uh, we need to pitch and field better because depending on again which book you look at, there was anywhere from six combined errors to the other one. I think had it at like uh, let me double check. I think it was at like eleven uh, for the other one. Because that was the discrepancy. Yeah. One book had six combined errors. The other had 13 combined errors. So not sure that lands. every lands. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, again, you're not going to have 49 runs scored in the game and not have mistakes. And right. not have a lot but of yeah, hits. You got to tighten it up a bit. But that was Wednesday. And Thursday... We had a lot more action in softball. Yeah, I saw two at Armada. Armada in Port here on Northern. Uh, Armada sweeps the doubleheader. They took game one 13-5. The big inning for them was the first. Northern jumped out to a one nothing lead, and then Armada came back with seven runs in the bottom of the uh, first. Their leadoff hitter, Olivia Hebb, homered over the right center field fence on the first pitch. By the way, they've cleared out a lot of that forest. Well, yeah, when the, the tornado came through, it knocked a lot of it down, and I'm guessing they just kept clearing it out. There's a lake behind the yeah. right field fence. Yeah, you couldn't see it originally. Uh, you, you, yeah, you couldn't see it, and it makes – it's just – it's really cool. It's Armada <laughs> has one of the nicer softball facilities in the area. Yeah. The homered uh, Kendall uh, Schlotka hit a two-run homer later in the uh, inning to score the final two runs of that uh, first uh, inning. Um, and Northern had some struggles be because they kept throwing wild pitches. Uh, I think in the first three innings, they had seven wild pitches Ooh. in this uh, game. And they wild pitched in at least three runs. That hurts. Um, There's so, not much you can do about that. And it, and it was really like after that, it was kind of back and forth. Um, interesting point in the game. Northern turned three double plays on line drives. There was a line drive to right where they threw out the runner at first. There was a line drive to short where they got the runner at second. And there was a line drive to third where Larson caught the ball and then stepped on the bag to get the out. And that was the one I wanted to talk about because it was 11-2 Armada in the bottom of the fifth. So if they score a run, they win the game. They load the bases with nobody out. Oh. And they and and they had two good hitters come up. And the uh the the first hitter got a little anxious um and and made a struck out on a pitch over her head, mm. you know, trying to kill the ball. And then the next uh batter, Andrea Cox, hit a bullet right on the screws. If Larson doesn't catch it, it goes through her stomach and and she's dead. <laughs> she caught it, and then she's right by the bag, just stepped on the bag, double play, and it went from being base loaded and nobody out to they didn't score, and we're going to go to the sixth. And what happens immediately in the sixth? 
Falco singles, and Anna Hall rips a home run over the center field fence, and we're going to play all seven innings today. <laughs> Final score was 13-5 uh, to five in game one. Three hits for Olivia Hebb, um, plus a walk. She knocked in two, had a home run. Pratt had two hits. Capozo had two hits, got on base four times. She had two hits and was hit by a pitch twice. Um, Mayday had a, a hit. Knocked in a run, scored a couple of times. Two hits for Sauer, including a double. Uh, two hits for Knock, and knocked in uh, two runs uh, in the uh, game. A home run for Schlotka, she knocked in two. And Marty Obrey had a double and a sack fly, knocked in a couple of runs. Falco had three hits for Northern and knocked in a run. Hall hit a two-run homer. And uh, Ariana McMahon hit the ball really well for Northern in the doubleheader. She had two hits in game one. Hagen swings the bat good for Northern. She had an RBI and a hit in game one. In game two, Armada went up 2-0, and then Northern scored five in a row to take a 5-2 lead uh, in the uh, game. Two-run triple by Becca Larson was the big hit uh, in a four-run second inning for the Huskies. But Armada came back in the fourth. They loaded the bases, and this time, uh, Brooklyn Pratt roped a double up the gap to score three runs and tie the game at five. Then Armada came back with three in the fifth to go up eight to five. Natalie Sauer had a big uh, RBI triple in that rally. But Northern came back in the bottom of the fifth. They scored one on a McMahon RBI single, but McMahon tried to get to second on the play because a base runner in front of her was going to third, so the throw went into third. They cut it off. They got her out at second base, and that kind of killed the rally because at that point, they would have had two on, down by two, going to the top of the batting order with Hagen, who again was swinging the bat while and wanted Hagen do the next inning, let off with a hit. Right. Um, so That's how it works. It, it, it was eight to six at that point, but Armada came up in the uh, the sixth inning, the first batter reached on an error, and the floodgates just opened. They sent 13 hitters to the plate, uh, and they scored eight runs before it was all said and done. Capozo had a two-run single. Knock had an RBI single. Cox had an RBI triple. Mayday had an RBI uh, single. Uh, RBI for Heb. RBI single for Pratt. And then Capozo came up and had her second RBI hit of the inning, so she had two hits and three RBIs in that inning, and when the smoke cleared, it was 16-6 to Armada, and that was the final score in what ended up being a six-inning game. Pratt drove in four. How about this line? Olivia Hebb went 0-4, for 4, Brady, scored three runs and had an RBI. <laughs> Finding a way to get things done, I guess. Uh, three hits for uh, Knock, three hits for Sauer, three hits for... Uh, uh, Allie Veit in the game. She might be the fastest player in the area. Really? Yeah. Veit can fly. Um, she had a bunt single that was just stupid how quick she got to first. She hit a ball into left for a line drive single, and the left fielder misplayed it. She was on third in a blink of an eye. She can fly around the base. I remember her brother being a wide receiver and being fast. Yeah. I think she'd beat her brother in a race. <laughs> I really do. And uh, for uh, Northern, two hits for Hagen, two hits for uh, Ebriana Bellinger in the second game, two hits for Ariana uh, McMahon, and uh, two RBIs for Larson, and two RBIs for Michaela Bassett 
for the uh, Huskies, who looks like she might be a hitter too. So, uh, again, my impression, first time seeing Northern, they're aggressive at the plate. They attack. They put the ball in play. Defensively, they had some struggles. They made five errors in the, the second game. Um, and the, the the pitchers, they can get two strikes on a hitter, but they don't have that finish pitch. They just don't have the out pitch. Um, and Armada was swinging the sticks yesterday. And Armada had a pretty solid week right now. Yeah. Well, this week. So, uh, Grosse Point South beat Port here on high 12-7. to Marysville beats Lons Cruz 10 to nothing. So in league play, they dominate. Megan Winston with a double, triple, three RBIs. Avery Walters, three more hits, including a pair of doubles, drove in a run. Ryan Quain gave up two hits, only had to throw five innings, no earned runs, uh, gave up eight hits, walked none, and struck out three. Didn't do anything fancy, just got the job done. Emma Curtis, two hits, an RBI. Kara Miller, two hits, a double, and an RBI as well. St. Clair rolled against Utica 12-1, to and Hadley Schwartz, why couldn't you do this when I'm there? Hmm. It's the one thing that I haven't broadcasted in baseball or softball, a player hitting the cycle. Schwartz had the single, double, triple homer and drove in four runs in the win for St. Clair. Rochelle Swihoffer had two hits, including a double. Aaron Saros, three hits, a double, an RBI. Tabitha Ferlin had two hits, a double, an RBI. Peyton Malcolm homered, knocked in two. Audrey Schindler had two hits, including a home run. And Claire Borg uh, goes the distance. Uh, five hits, a run, a walk, and five strikeouts. So just real solid by St. Clair. Yes, indeed. That's a heck of a performance, and the bats woke right back up. Marysville St. Clair supposed to play today. We'll see. We'll see again. I want that game selfishly. I want that game to be played in nice weather. I don't want anything to possibly alter anything. And there's supposed to be a good amount of rain coming in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, Cousin edges Marine City 8-7. to seven. We got a score. I don't think we got any stats yeah, on that one. Just they dropped their first divisional game. Uh, that's the first loss in league play for Marine City. They're now chasing Gross Point South, who's 3-0. and uh, Croslex beats Marlette 14-0 in the opening game of a doubleheader. And Riley Robertson, who had, what, eight RBIs uh, the day before, three hits, a double, a home run, and three RBIs. And this one also stole three bases. Uh, Izzy Piscina had a hit, knocked in a couple of runs, stole a couple of bases. Shaley Kading had a hit and three RBIs. Addison McMillan with two hits, a double, an RBI, and Lovey Yerke had two more hits. And then the Pioneers win game two, eight to seven. Uh, Pacina with two more hits, two more RBIs. Ella Rankin had a hit, an RBI, and stole four bases in uh, that uh, game. And the other doubleheader from yesterday in softball, North Branch played Unionville Seabwing in uh, a doubleheader, and USA is a state power. Well, they're they, I think they're two-time reigning D4 champions. And, well, in game one, they got the better of North Branch, 8-2. to two. But in this game, they both had the same amount of hits. North Branch made one error. North, uh, Unionville Seabling didn't make any. And North Branch walked two. Unionville Seabling walked one. The difference, Unionville Seabling hit three home runs, which propelled them to the win. So it might look like a six-run game, but or well, it is a six-run game, but if you look at the stats, it was probably a closer played game than that. Yeah. 
Um, Dusheski, her line isn't great, and she gave up the three home runs. She missed a lot of bats, too. She struck out 11 in the loss. Um, Brinker hit a home run for North Branch to knock in there two runs, and Ella uh, uh, Swash had two hits. Uh, North Branch bounced back in game two and did a lot of hitting, winning 15-6. to uh, six. Uh, Ella Swash with a hit in an RBI. Deshetsky had three hits, hit two homers. Uh, North Branch hit five home runs in the second game. She drove in three. How about Jasmine Mock? Five hits, a home run, four RBIs. If you add up all her totals for the week, She's she had a big week. Out of the ball. Yeah, she, she'd be like player of the week. Hannah Carmack, two hits, including a double. Natasha Bickle had three hits, a double, two RBIs. Kate Welsh, two hits that were both home runs, and she drove in four runs in that one. And that's the softball, folks. That was a lot of softball over two days, and that's a lot of hitting performances. Yes, it was indeed, and we still have a lot of baseball to get to. Yes, we do, including Richmond, Algonac, and you saw two between Marysville and Northern yesterday. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. Every piece of land has a story written by those who work it, like the Nelsons, who cruise around their ranch on a John Deere Gator XUV835R. With 3,000 acres, there's plenty of work to do. It's all about efficiency. That's how they've kept their ranch going for five generations. We wouldn't be in ranching without the Gator. Run with us on a Gator XUV835R and start telling your story. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's locations in Auburn Hills, Badax, Birch Run, Burton, Carrow, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Financial Advisor Dave Betts can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Dave Betts today at 810-987-5370. Office is located at 527 Huron Avenue, Port Huron, Michigan. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Mattress King has been locally owned and operated for over 40 years. With locations in Port Huron, Richmond, Lapeer, Chesterfield, and Hall Road, they are the best one-stop shop for your sleeping and mattress needs. Mattress King carries all the top brands such as Serta, Stearns & Foster, Sealy, iComfort, and Tempur-Pedic. Not only do they have the best prices and best service in the area backed by hundreds of five-star reviews, they also offer interest-free financing and no-credit check programs for those with less than stellar credit. Once you get your mattress, they offer free local delivery on all purchases $6.99 and up. When you think sleep, think Mattress King. Shopping for a vehicle the last two years has been frustrating for all of us. Inflated prices and misleading ads that waste your time and money. Look no further than Jepson Car Company. Located at 5277 Gratiot Avenue in St. Clair, Jepson Car Company is St. Clair County's most transparent dealership. At Jepson, the price you see on a vehicle is the price you pay. No hidden fees or misleading rebates. When you need your next vehicle, stop by Jepson Car Company today. This is Lucy Harris. I'm a class of 2022 senior, and I play on the golf team at Port Huron Northern. As a Port Huron school student, I had the opportunity to participate in the most extracurricular and academic opportunities in the region. I can even earn free college credits from the Blue Water Middle College. At Port Huron Schools, I am treated as an individual, and my teachers care about my specific needs. After graduating, I plan to study abroad and attend college to eventually become a teacher. That's my Port Huron School story. What will yours be? Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. 
Uh, Marysville and uh, Northern uh, ran into some uh, bad weather early in the week, uh, but on uh, Wednesday they got their series started. Wasn't a real pretty game. Uh, the Huskies, I guess, will take it, Brady, because they won 13-3. to uh, three. They got a double and three RBIs from Ty Fletcher and two uh, RBIs from Dylan Bloink. But um, if I re- remember correctly, there were a ton of walks in this game, right? Yeah. Uh, Northern beat Marysville 13-3. to They had two hits. Marysville walked 18 batters. Wow. And I know the prototypical northern wind was blowing off the lake and it was freezing and they were having a hard time gripping the ball, but 18 walks. It was a 13-3 win in five innings. And, yeah, northern had two hits. I mean, And only one Marysville error. uh, That's better than three walks an inning. Yeah. And, I mean, Northern, for their trouble, walks six themselves. But still, that's, uh, yeah, you're, you're not going to have a lot of, uh, have a lot of wins when you're walking 18 and only two hits and you give up 13 runs. And it wasn't just one pitcher for Marysville. They used four different arms, and they all walked at least three. So that, that was a struggle. That tells me that it's the weather, that you couldn't feel yeah. anything because Philastro started for Northern, and he walked six. So kind of throw that one out. It's You're just going to say it was windy and you can't feel anything, and it's hard to throw a pitch if you can't feel the ball. Yeah. A lot nicer conditions yesterday, but the, the results were good for Port Huron Northern as they swept uh, Marysville in a doubleheader to sweep the series. Yes. Um Game one was a pretty well-played ball game. It was Tommy Haddits on the mound versus Dylan Bloink, and both pitched pretty well. Haddits struggled a little bit in the third, gave up a pair of singles, a sack fly RBI, and a wild pitch scored a run. Uh, That made it 3-0. A run scored back in the second. An error got a runner on, and it was weird. It was the umpire made the decision for me because <laughs> it was a throw to first and it was a close play and I couldn't quite tell if Vaggie stretched and went off the base and Caleb Dolman went out to ask and the umpire very clearly and very proudly went, no, he was off the bag. I could see it. And I went, okay, then I guess it's an error. So <laughs> usually you have to guess, but when the umpire yells across the time and he was off the bag, and you really don't have a choice at that point. So, Northern. But, uh, by the way, I like when they're vocal like that and they make a signal and you know what's going on. Because a lot of guys nowadays are, are too quiet on the field and sometimes I don't know what they're well, calling. It's, it's the base umpire, I don't mind. It's the home plate umpire when they, when they don't go up with the right hand or they just go like strike. And. Yeah. That happened a couple times in game two of the doubleheader. There'd be a borderline pitch, and everyone in our box is going, and ball two? And then you'd see them go, no, one and one, one and one. And it's like, oh, okay. Anyway, so Northern went up 3 nothing in the top of the third. No one scored the rest of the game. Uh, Marysville threatened a few times, including the first. They loaded the base with one out, a strikeout and a ground out, got them out of the inning. Dylan Bloink wouldn't allow another base runner to the leadoff batter of the fifth, excuse me, of the fourth inning when R.J. Clark hit a single. Uh, he got out on a fielder's choice. Keegan Quain ended up on third. There's runners on second and third. 
Dylan Bloink strikes out Bryce Smith to get out of the inning. Trenton Vaggie leads off with a hit. An error puts runners on second and third. And then Connor Randall comes up to pinch hit. And Connor Randall hit into a double play. But Connor Randall had the best at-bat of the game. He hit a ball on the screws. He had the hardest hit ball of game one. The only problem is he hit it right at Aiden Wynn at short. He grabbed it, and Patterson was off a second. He wasn't too far off. It wasn't that he got a bad lead. It was just Randall hit it so fast and so hard that he caught it, leaned down, tagged Patterson. Oh, two outs. All right, now there's a runner on third with two away, and a ground out gets him out of the inning. I felt bad for Connor Randall because coming off the bench, he did exactly what he needed to do, and in the book it goes in as a double play. Yeah. So that kind of took the wind out of the sails. In the seventh, uh, Marysville got a couple runners on with two away. Uh, Owen Hill had to come on because Bloink reached the pitch limit, but he struck out Bryce Smith, got the final out, and Northern got the 3 to nothing win in game one. And it was, uh, excuse me, yeah, Dylan Bloink, six and two-thirds, four innings pitch, no earned, three walks, 11 strikeouts. Ty Fletcher had an RBI. Alex Armstrong had two hits. But Tommy Haddits, I thought, pitched a pretty good game. Didn't get rewarded for it. Uh, Dylan Bloink just stifled Marysville offensively. You know, it's interesting. And after you tell us about game two, we'll talk for just a second about it, about how we felt about this series at the beginning of the week because Marysville was playing really well and Northern had kind of struggled and we thought maybe Marysville had a chance to take this series. But as we get to game two of the doubleheader, Northern's going for a three-game sweep now. Yes, they are. And uh, Trenton Vaggie did not pitch in the series for Marysville. He was at first base, so I have to imagine there was something off because he's who we kind of thought would be the number one guy on the Marysville staff. And if he's not pitching, I'm assuming it's because he can't be. Because he's he's a really nice pitcher. And I saw him throw against Crosslex. He fought wildness early, but when he locked in, he was solid. Um, anyway, game two, Northern picked up right where they left off. Ryan Falastro leads off with a double. Hit by pitch. RBI single from Nick Schrader. And it's two to nothing. Port here on Northern on top after a pass ball, scored another run, and Northern would never relinquish the lead. They would add two more in the top of the third. Uh, again, a walk, an error on a pickoff, a hit by pitch, and then a couple singles really kill you when you give up those free bases. Uh, it was Taylor Falls had an RBI, and Owen O'Connor drew a bases-loaded walk to get an RBI as well. But Marysville came to life in the bottom of the third. Ben Martins, JV player, had to get called up. Again, used too many pitchers on Wednesday. He got the start. He threw well enough. Gets the, or excuse me, he comes in in relief um, for Marysville. And he gets he goes in the eighth spot. First pitch he sees, ropes a double into left field. Marysville's offense had been anemic all day long. That kind of got the offense going a bit. It got the dugout excited. Uh, Keegan Quain would draw a walk, and Trenton Vaggy roped an RBI single down the left field line to score a one run, and then Jake Patterson hit a hit a two-run single just over the glove of Bloink at short, and it's 4-3, and Marysville's feeling excited. They're feeling like they have a chance. 
but Northern in the top of the next inning would get a couple singles. I think there were three wild pitches that moved runners up, scored two runs, and Northern would go up six to three, and they wouldn't look back. They'd add a couple of runs in the top of the six to make it eight to three, but there wasn't anything they could do. Tucker Corby did a really nice job throwing strikes, not giving up free passes. He only walked one in the win, and it got called after six due to darkness. But Northern gets the sweep, 8-3 to three over Marysville. Nick Schrader had two hits and an RBI. Taylor Falls, two hits, a double, and an R- two RBIs. Aiden Wynn had two hits as well. Trenton Vaggie had two hits, the double, and the RBI that I mentioned, and Jake Patterson had the two RBI single for Marysville. But Northern gets a big sweep to start Mac play. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it, it's it kind of, they, they flip things around because they were the team looking for an identity and Marysville was feeling good about themselves going into the week. Um, so that's a big week for Northern. Uh, Frazier swept PH. They did get a game in early in the week that Frazier won 14-4. Yeah, that was the Tuesday. Yeah, that was like super four games cold. were played. <laughs> Yeah, you're, have you thought out yet? No, getting there. Uh, and then Frazier took two yesterday, eight nothing in game one. Colton Bartlett did have uh, two hits for PH, including a double. And Frazier took game two, eight to two. Um, Saint Clair well, PH they they need to figure out a way to shore up the errors because if you look in the three game series in game one in the twelve to one loss, five errors in the eight nothing loss in game two. They had six errors. And then in the 8-2 loss in game three, they had four errors. So that's what, 15 errors in a three-game series? You're, fight, you're already fighting an uphill battle. You're trying to establish yourself. You can't have five errors a game. Yeah. That, that, that you're DOA at that point. Yeah. So they take on Marysville next week. It's going to be interesting to see how both sides respond. Yeah, we'll have all three games uh, in that series, too. Well, we plan week, on it. So. Who knows with Mother Nature yeah, and, well, and everything. Uh, I'm going with the positive attitude yeah, here. I know you are. Um, but, yeah, so that's a a tough set of games for Port Huron. St. Clair had a, a nice set of games against Utica yesterday when they got a pair of wins. 5-2 to two and 8-3. to three. Logan Ellis in game one went the distance. Three hits, two earned runs. Four walks, seven Ks, added two hits and a double. Little Ellis had two hits, two RBIs, and Braylon Essien had two RBIs. It's a really nice line for St. Clair. Yeah. Game two, followed up with an 8-3 to three win. Logan Ellis, a triple, an RBI. That's like his third or fourth triple of the year. He's so fast. He just And he finds the gaps. Um, Owen Blank had a hit and two RBIs. Ryan Pettinger had three hits and an RBI. And Cody Beauregard, two hits, an RBI, and a stolen base. I like Cody Bar. I know you do. <laughs> you like the and way he's he a catcher too. So St. Clair swept the doubleheader on Wednesday. They went down to Utica and didn't go as well. A thirteen to seven loss. They had the and lead I, in this one, they didn't they? Did they did? Um, they drop again. The the oh, oops, that was the wrong game. Uh, thirteen to seven was the final, and both sides made four errors. Uh, Utica scored six runs in the bottom of the sixth to take the lead. It's a 7-7 game going into the, the bottom of the sixth. It was a 6-3 to three game going into the bottom of the fifth. 
So you got outscored 10 to 1 in the late innings. Yeah, and Holden Schalk went w- the last inning and a third. He gave up the six runs, one earned run. Through 26 pitches, 20 were strikes. I don't think that's going to be on Holden. I'm going to guess most of those four errors came in that inning. Yeah. That's that's a tough way cuz you had um you had the sweep there and Utica for the White is going to be one of the less tough teams you play. So All right, um that was that was St. Clair. Uh, where else do you want to go in baseball? Well, let's. Uh, most of the BWAC play was uh, played on uh, Wednesday, so let's start with uh, Richmond Algonac. You saw Game One in this series. That was on that cold day on Tuesday, and that was the latest masterpiece by Josh Kasner. And they went to Richmond, won that game ten to nothing. He no hits them. They get hit around by Algonac, and it was like, boy, Algonac looks like they're way up at the top and that there's some separation. And we were really curious, how would Richmond respond? Because they kind of been king of the hill for a while. Right. And they're not used to people doing that to them. No. So, you know, we're wondering, is there a changing of the guard here? Well, I deep down inside, I kind of thought Richmond still has something in the tank. Well, you know Richmond's going to come back and fight. They're never just going to roll over and, and let Algonac walk through. So, they don't wait around either. Uh, Trey Taylor hit the hardest ball against Kasner in, in the game the day before, and yeah. I had just said that. Said, you know, Trey Taylor had the best swing against Kasner. They didn't really have much. Here's the bang. He jumped on a fastball from Caleb Thomas on the first pitch of the game. Algonac, the 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 measurements are fair, but because of the way the wind blows in that park, it, it's not the easiest place to hit one out. Trey Taylor hit it on a clothesline, no doubt about it. It was a home run, and it's one nothing Richmond, one pitch into the game. The story of this game is guys being left on base, opportunities for teams that they didn't cash in on because Hitzelberger walks, Wesley singles, and a wild pitch and an error, and you've got runners at second and third with nobody out, and Thomas was able to wiggle out of it. Ground ball out to first that didn't advance the runners, and then a couple of strikeouts. So the first inning, it's one to nothing. Algonac got their leadoff hitter over to third with nobody out and couldn't score the run in the first inning. And Richmond bounced back with two runs in the third. Taylor had an RBI single. Wesley had an RBI single. They were really the bulk of the offense uh, Richmond had nine hits, and those two guys had seven of them. Yeah, that's. I mean, those two guys were the entire offense. Yeah. for Richmond. So it's three nothing Richmond going into the bottom of the second, and you're like, "Wow, Richmond came to play today." Um, Grant Van Slambrook got a one two three bottom of the second. Richmond didn't do anything in the third. Algonac pushed a run across 
in the third, but again, kind of an ugly run. Thomason got a walk, wild pitch to second, pass ball to third, and a ground ball scored him from Schultz. So it's three to one. That's how Ognet can manufacture runs yep. with the best of them. I know they have big sticks, but when they need to get a guy around the bases, they can do it in a, in a very I don't know how I want to put this in a very delicate way. Yeah, um, Richmond they got a leadoff single from Wesley in the fifth. They bunt him over the side. Their their cleanup hitter Jackson Jones moves the runner up. Well, you know both those coaches are, aren't afraid to lay down a bunt yep. any time. And uh, Skyler Lowers goes the other way, dunks a single into right, scores the run to make it 4-1 to one Richmond. And, and the other thing about it, and you know that Coach Evans is old school. Yes. Three times in that game, he had his hitters up there with two strikes still trying to get the bunt down, and twice they got it done. The third time it was fouled off for right. for a strikeout, but you're up there to do a job, get the job done. I don't care what the count is. I need you to move this runner over. That's what I expect you to do, and that's why he's so successful. Meantime, it's kind of very quiet for Algonac through five innings. They're down four to one. They only had three hits against the starter Van Slambrook. He went four and a third. One run, three hits, walked two, struck out three. They finally get a threat in the fifth. After a strikeout, there was an error, a hit batsman, a pop-up, an infield single, so the bases are loaded with two outs, but Wesley is able to strike out a good hitter, Brandon Williams, and leave the bases loaded. And then in the uh, next inning, after a strikeout, there's three straight singles, including a big pinch hit single by Matt Ricks to drive in a run and make it four to two. Then there's a single, an infield single by Schultz and a throwing error, got another run in to make it a four to three ball game. Thomas hit a fly ball to left with a runner at third. Jones threw a clothesline to the plate, forcing the runner at third to go back to third. Good decision. He would have been out at the plate. He would have been out at the plate. But then the next batter, Kasner, walks. Good decision not to throw Josh Kasner right. a strike with second and third. So now the bases are loaded for the second straight inning, and Meldrum's at the plate, and they get him on a comebacker. And in the fifth and in the sixth, even though Algonac got two runs in the sixth, they left the bases loaded. They left second and third in the fourth, bases loaded in the fifth, bases loaded in the sixth, and they got a one-out base runner in the seventh and didn't advance them. So they left 11 on base, and Richmond gets the 4-3 to three win. It wasn't the cleanest ball game ever played. Um, Simpson drives me crazy, but he did a good job in long relief for Algon. He does. He he takes so long between pitches. I'm going nuts up there. But in four innings, one run on five hits, didn't walk anybody, struck out four, kept his team in the ball game. But in the end, Richmond did just enough, and Algonac left 
Too many opportunities out there, and Richmond wins the ball game four to three and gets a split in the series. Uh, and I think that's a kind of a big statement by Richmond. And they keep the door open in the BWAC. Yep. Because if they drop there, they are. We talked about it. You're hoping two teams or two times Algonac falls short. That's going to be tough. Now you stay even with them, and you get North Branch next week. You can really, you can take charge of the BWAC with that win and I think we can talk about the BWAC in our next segment because this one well we've had a lot to talk about and we've been yeah. running pretty long yeah so we'll take a break and then we'll wrap up uh, the rest of the BWAC games from uh, Wednesday and Mooney finally played a game on Thursday we'll get to all that next Brady Beaton here again to tell you about TP Logos. TP Logos has everything you could want when it comes to local high school apparel. Head to their store at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville and check out their brand new extended showroom. Their already impressive selection has now doubled. I guarantee if you go into TP Logos, you will find something you love for your local team. If they don't have what you like, they'll custom make something just for you. That's TP Logos at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville. Marysville. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County has been serving the community for over 30 years. Located at 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, Overhead Doors are the premier choice for durability, serviceability, and hassle-free performance for commercial and industrial doors. Overhead Doors boasts a complete selection of performance and safety-tested commercial and industrial upward-acting doors and manufacture a wide array of styles to meet your needs. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County, 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, call 810 this is Nash Phillips. I'm a class of 2022 senior and varsity football player at Port Huron High. As a Port Huron School student, I get to experience an education with the most athletic, extracurricular, and academic opportunities in the region. The district provides personal success for all students because each Port Huron School's journey is unique and special. I know I'm supported by my teachers and everyone in the district, both in the classroom and on the football field. I also know they care about my well-being each and every day. Poor Huron Schools have prepared me for anything I choose to do with my future. Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. Kaywood Auto has been serving the Blue Water area for over 100 years. They have the area's best selection of pickups and SUVs. And now Kaywood Auto is offering corrosion-free rust proofing. Call 987-3030. That's 987-3030 to make an appointment. Voted 2021 Best of the Best and President's Award winner plus 2022 Dealer of the Year. Kaywood Auto is open Saturdays 9 until 2. Visit www.kaywoodauto to make an appointment. Kaywood Auto has been serving the Blue Water area for over 100 years. Finding that missing shin guard. Remembering whether it's a home or away game. Getting the right kid to the right playing field on the right day. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things. Like not being that fan. Oh, come on, ref. That's simple human sense. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome uh, back. It was uh, a busy day in the uh, BWAC on uh, Wednesday with uh, three doubleheaders. Uh, for uh, series play. North Branch 
did what they were supposed to do. They handled Imlay City, uh, and and but the Broncos are quietly what twelve and zero now after a fifteen nothing and thirteen nothing doubleheader sweep uh, and a lot of hitting. Um, Landon uh, Swash two hits, a double, two RBIs, four steals in the first game. Uh, Aiden Swash added a hit and two RBIs. Matt Duty added two hits and three RBIs. And Jaden Hutchinson three hits, three RBIs in game one. Duty came back in game two, three hits. He either had five steals or seven steals. Yeah, this is another one that if it is seven, you you go look because. It feels like I've been looking at the state records a lot recently because of what we've been doing. The record for stolen bases in a game is eight. This would put him tied with about a dozen other people for third. Five still gets him on the leaderboard, but seven, his name would be right near the top. And this is the one tough thing we have to tightrope with when we're reporting this these things because sometimes... It's just a player that's not in doing the game changer. Sometimes it's a parent. Sometimes it's the assistant coach. And whether sometimes it's just out of ignorance and not knowing how to score, like they're just doing it as a favor, or they're trying to boost stats, you never know. But some people, if the ball goes to the backstop and they move up, it's not a stolen base, but they go, oh, he moved up. He stole the base. Yeah. And there's a lot of intricacies to scoring baseball that if you don't, like study or take a look at it can be hard to score some interesting plays hell there are times where I even text Dennis and I go I don't know how the hell to score this because it's not an easy play to score yeah and stolen bases are one of those stolen bases okay um if the runner starts then the steal takes precedence over anything else that happens on the play so if the runner is in motion and the pitcher throws a wild pitch, he gets the steal. Right. It's an advance on a wild pitch. If he's standing there, right. the ball gets away, and then he runs. And then he the doesn't o- get a steal. The other that. one that can be hard defensive is, indifference. is defensive indifference. And where that gets really tough, especially in high school, is the first and third situation because depending on how you want to score it, you can be a stickler. Like when they fake the throw to second and go to third, you could give defensive indifference. Usually when you see defensive indifference is when it's a four-run game and the losing team's batting and the guy steals second and the catcher just doesn't care and throws back to the pitcher. Yeah, now, But in high school, it's that's a tough line to the, draw. The way I've always understood the rule is it's defensive indifference when absolutely no effort is made to get anybody out. If you're throwing to pick off a runner at third, or if you do the play sometimes where they it's act like they're throwing stop. down and somebody cuts it off, mm-hmm. that was an effort to try to get an out somewhere, right. and so the player gets the steal. Right. The other one is they'll fake the throw to second and look at third. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's in those situations, hard. I give the runner the, the steal. It, it's when, okay, we know you're going and we're just going to catch the ball and throw it back to the pitcher. That's defensive indifference. 
Yeah, but anyway, so either way, it's a really nice day. So you either had five or seven, depending on who you believe. And both of those, hey, North Branch, if you submit those in, his name will go on the record books. Yeah. It's just what is there. And yeah, it just. It's hard when you look at game changers because I always, especially when you get those big numbers, I like to check both if I can. And more often than not, they agree, but sometimes they don't. And stolen bases are ones that are hard to. Sometimes you just don't put it in until the next batter. And those are always tough to judge, yeah. especially the, the averages. Because home runs, walks, strikeouts, you can't make those up. There's no... There's no gray area. It's either it was or it wasn't. Yeah. But North Branch, is, they did what we thought they would do, and now it's prove it time next week. Yeah. And we'll talk about that on Monday, but North Branch has a chance to put their foot down in the BWAC, and you got to be the man, you got to beat the man, and they're going to get the man in Richmond coming up. Um, Almont gets the sweep over Armada. Man, if Armada could just get some bats going. A 2-1 win for Almont in game one. Cody Koval had two hits in an RBI. Liam Webster had a pair of doubles. And Jason Lane for Almont went seven innings. No earned, three walks, six Ks. And again, on who you believe, he either threw a no-hitter or a one-hitter. Yeah, let me double-check <laughs> that because it might have been in game two when it was five to nothing. Um, but, yeah, it's... That's another one where when you're at the game, you can judge it with your own eyes and you can make those distinctions. But, yeah, in game one, Almont had it as a no-hitter. Armada had it as a one-hitter. And we can't make that call. Because we weren't at we, the we game. Didn't we didn't see, see it. We have no reason to believe one over the other. So maybe we had another no-hitter. Maybe we didn't. I don't know. But, but congratulations, because either, either way, he pitched a great game. That's still a gem that he threw. He just got it in. The last batter, he reached the pitch count. But, man, that's a heck of a performance. And then in game two, Almont beats Armada 5 to nothing. Trenton Cruz had two hits and an RBI. And Almont, after having a wild game with uh, Yale, had a very calm series against Armada. But, man, Armada, they can throw well. They, they field well, well, but they just don't hit. No, they don't hit and score runs. They've scored one run this year in one a game run. where they might have been no hit. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's another wild stat. And they've only had one bad loss in the bunch. So that's where because the uh, Alkanak was their other league series. Yeah, and they lost that a combined five to nothing. Yeah, three nothing and two nothing. And, and they were one hit in the one game and no hit in the other. Yeah. I think they had. And those were games we saw. Yes. In the five to nothing loss, they had four hits. So they're at about a hit a game, depending on who you ask, in the BWAC. And it's frustrating because they do the things well. Like you said, they, they look like a solid fielding team. They take good approaches at the play. Yeah, that was the other thing. It's not like they're up there swinging wild or swinging early in the the count, then I could say, well, that's something you've got to fix. I just think they've seen really good pitching and have right. been overmatched. And Well, yeah, with Kasner, there was a few guys that you could just tell, like, sorry, you're just – you might be a decent high school baseball player, but Josh Kasner is not an average high school pitcher. Um, but Armada's got to figure it out. Next week they get MLA City. That's a chance to get right. 
They play Marine City on Saturday. That's a chance to get right and and turn and turn the ship. Yale is just an agent of chaos <laughs> in in the BWAC. Game one against Croslex, fourteen to nine. Huh? Gavin Espinosa, three hits. Jet Weeder, a hit, three RBIs. Drew Hosterman, three hits, two RBIs. Connor Partlow, I like him from the left side. A double, three RBIs. Landon Layden Morgan had four hits, two doubles, three RBIs for Yale, along with Acker Gavin that had two hits, a double, and two RBIs. But it's it was a wild game, 14-9. Remember, they played, what, it was an 11-9 game against Almont. Yep. And Yale made nine errors wow. in this. Again, give or take a couple because you have to look at the scorebook. But nine errors. That's a game you win if you make nine errors. Out of all the runs that were given up, six of the 14 were earned. And then they turn around and win 10-1. to one. And that was the game Drew Hosterman pitched for Cross-Lex. So, yeah. So what the hell? <laughs> I, when I first saw it, I went, oh, Drew must have pitched the first game. And I, yeah. And they actually hit Drew Hosterman around a little bit. Um, he gave up, you know, actually only gave up three hits, excuse me. He walked four. It was Cross-Lex that made the errors this time. And the 10-1 win in five innings because of, I'm going to assume, darkness. Because that yeah. first game, I'm going to guess, took a while. Took a while. Uh, Laydon Morgan again had three hits, two RBIs. Acker had uh, three hits, a double, and an RBI. And Coralden went five innings, only four hits, the one earned. Walked one, struck out ten. And, yeah, I can't figure out Yale. No, and I can't really figure out Crosslex either. Crosslex, yeah, Crosslex has struggled. They're now, what, one in three in league play. It seems like for them, when it starts to unroll, it unravels quickly. Like they, it gets away. They they can't reel it back in. At least right now. And Yale, I don't know. Yeah, chaos uh, is a good way to describe. Yeah, the way the Yale games have been going. Yeah, and they play Algonac next week. Sure, a little chaos would be in the in favor of Yale. Yeah, yeah. You'd you'd like to get a little chaos against Algonac. They don't generally allow you to do that. No. <laughs> um, one other game we have not talked about. Yeah. This team hasn't played since April 4th. That's a long time. days ago. For a guy who is psycho about playing baseball. And what does Cardinal Mooney do when they come back? Just beat Country Day 4-3. to 16-day layoff, come back, bang, beat, beat a really good Country Day team. Blake Lutsky, two hits, a triple, three RBIs, so obviously he had the big hit in the game. And here's what but the I pitching, yeah. Yeah. What I expect when I saw the score, I went, okay, so one of their guys went the distance, you know, or gave him five or six strong innings. They used six pitchers. Lutsky went two innings. Zepp went two thirds. Carnegie went an inning and two thirds. Brawl went two-thirds of an inning. Federson went and walked the only two batters he faced. And Addis went two innings. Excuse me? <laughs> it's not, no, that, that's not how I expected this to go. But literally the whole staff goes in and is able to piecemeal a win over Country Day. Probably by de- by design, just because well, yeah, of the layoff. You want to get days. everybody no one some threw pitches. more than thirty pitches. So yeah, I'm assuming that was intentional. And yeah, sure. 
Why not? It's just country day. <laughs> That's the team you, you piecemeal a uh, uh, game together with. You throw the bullpen game, give everyone a little bit of work, just country day, and still win. But, but again, and we, and we talk about it. this is one of those things that they do at Mooney in basketball and that they do at Mooney in baseball. They say we're not really worried that our record looks pretty. We're worried about playing good teams so that we are prepared come postseason so that when we play the good teams, we can play them and we can make a run. And I think another reason why they used it so limitedly is uh, on Saturday they go to Riverview Gabriel Richard for a pair of games. I'm sure they wanted everyone eligible for mm. that game. So I think if you go over 30, you have to have two days rest or a day's rest. I, I know it's out there somewhere, and I know I'm probably off and someone's yelling at me right now. But everyone for Mooney should be eligible for that doubleheader. And that's in league play. And remember, all the way back on April 3rd and 4th, they split with Ann Arbor, Gabriel Richard. Plus, two, uh, because it wasn't a league game with – yeah, they, had, they had the normal count. Yeah, the counts are different, and and that changes to how many pitches you're going to throw in a game. All right, I think that's it. Um, hopefully tonight we get games in. I have a feeling this is going to be one where they're waiting until 2 o'clock to make the call um, just because it's going to kind of rain, but you don't know how hard or if it's going to hit or not. Or for how long. Yeah, because – and you look and – I don't know. It's pushing the forecast back. I don't know if that helps, if that hurts. It's supposed to be raining kind of when it starts. I don't know. We'll see if we have games. I'm supposed to be at St. Clair Marysville Softball. You're supposed to be at Crosslex Marine City Softball. For two. Yes, for a doubleheader. So I think that's it. You got anything else, Dennis? That's all I got. All right. That was plenty. That was a lot, and we'll be back to uh, back on Monday. From Port Huron to Marysville and St. Clair to Marine City, the Blue Water Area is Stuck on Sports.